I was trying to be the woman I needed when I was a little kid, like who my mom was to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be confident with my body. I want to be confident with who I am. Whoever you are, just own it. Just be it a hundred percent. You know, if you want to be sweet, totally be sweet. If you want to be like whatever, just just own who you are. Hi, I'm Denzel Dionso, and you're listening to Shift. For the past several years, I've been trying to figure out what wellness is. So I gather people from different walks of life to talk about all things related to wellness, optimizing your body, mind, and spirit. Listen in and join me every Sunday as I try to create conversations that will inspire you to take action with your health and be the most resilient person you can be for yourself and other people. Don't forget to follow and check all of my content on Instagram at BeWellWithDenzel. Shift your body, shift your mind, and shift your life. Today's episode, we got Amy Berezowski. Amy is a professional boxer, a rugby player. She is also the founder and the owner of Empowered Clubhouse and the Little Sister Project. Amy is one of those courageous women that I know. She doesn't fit the mold. She doesn't fit in. And she just owns her voice. And one cool thing about her, especially after hearing her story, is she is continuously revolutionizing what strength is all about and what being a badass woman should be about. And I think for the past couple of generations, and history will speak itself, you know, that we as a society have been programmed to think women should act in a certain way, look in a certain way, and dress in a certain way. But with Amy, she is continuously fighting for what she stands for. And she stands for strength, she stands for confidence, and she stands for badass. And badass for her doesn't mean being a bitch and, you know, being literally a badass. But for her, badass means empowering other women to stand up for themselves to be confident in their own skin and that's truly her message beyond teaching people how to throw a jab how to throw a punch you know and her story is very very inspiring because she has traveled all around the world and put up other businesses and right now i think she has a really really great vision she also helps underprivileged women those who have been victimized by human trafficking and prostitution. And this is this this episode is one good lesson, especially women out there who feel like they don't have a voice, who feel that they are inferior to men and to the society. And those women who somehow want to jumpstart their health and fitness, but for some reason they feel intimidated, they feel shy, embarrassed, by taking ownership with their health and fitness. And so Amy is a good coach, especially for women out there who really want to just start gaining confidence with their body and with their mind. And this episode talks a lot about her journey, her entrepreneurship, and how how she is continuously redefining strength you know strength in numbers especially when it comes to creating a safe space for women to be welcomed in her empowered clubhouse which is a great great uh, facility when it comes to uh, boxing and you know it's actually an exclusive women boxing gym but i've also indicated in the show notes there's a short clip on youtube where you can see the the actual um facility that she has it's a wonder wonderful facility and she explained herself you know um women come to her not just for the techniques of boxing but what she really stands for is having this solid sisterhood that people can come in be welcome be heard and be understood and her clientele is majority busy entrepreneurs and women 
obviously and what she does is really empower them to make sure that once they step out of the gym they can still live up to being a badass woman and that includes being healthy being strong and being confident and that's what amy is all about so please don't forget to follow to share this episode on your instagram story and tag us you can also uh see the our instagram handles on the show notes everything's there so very very excited for this episode without further ado let's all welcome coach amy berezowski hey coach amy what's this up hope you're doing well in this pandemic hey how are you thank you thank you you too i'm pretty good pretty good uh opening up the clubhouse uh, tomorrow so super excited about that all right very very excited for you um so just a couple of things uh there's so many things that we can unpack from this episode especially with your story and i'll, I'll give the floor to you when it comes to how you actually started with your professional boxing career and how you ended up mm-hmm. starting your own business because for me personally if i'm gonna relate it to my story um I've always wanted to connect with male athletes because when I was still studying in school, I've always wanted to be a student athlete. But then, unfortunately, I didn't get that opportunity because of various reasons. I wasn't really that talented or or whatsoever. And when I was learning some, some of these sports like tennis, basketball, swimming, it was already kind of late. So, but then... For me, when I was in college and then after a few years, that's when I started to embrace the, the life of an athlete as a recreational athlete. I'm not a professional athlete by any means, but you know, in my daily routine, I try to emulate the mindset and the, the discipline of an athlete. So I'll give the floor to you. Maybe you can paint the picture to a lot of these listeners as to how your boxing career started because it's worth sharing. So yeah, go ahead. Yes. So thank you, thank you. So a lot of a lot of people get into boxing because they like the sport. Um, they they had that competitive edge and they want to do a, like a, a solo sport as opposed to team sport. Uh, whereas me, I was actually in university at the time and uh, I was working at a, a bar as a bartender and uh, definitely not the most positive place to be working. But I was young, I was a student, had to pay for school, had to pay for my own housing, and uh, then. I've always made a rule to never date anyone I work with or work out with. And uh, one of the bouncers at the, at the club where I worked really had a liking for me. And um, I was just really focused on, on my school, getting my, do my school, do my thing, make my money for school. And so one day he approached me on a Sunday afternoon and uh, make, made a little bit of a sexual advance towards me. So I pushed him and then he pushed me and one pushed turned into quite the, quite the violent scene on a Sunday afternoon. And uh, I ended up getting dragged by my hair. I had longer hair at the time. <laughs> but I ended up getting dragged by my hair to the back of VIP where um, there was no cameras. And, you know, your worst case scenario always goes through your mind. And my worst case scenario is I'm going to get raped on a Sunday in, in front of all these people. And so I thought, I thought like I was going to, you know, like my life depended on it. And uh, I ended up breaking my wrist. Mm. And because of where I was working and the gang affiliations with, with who I was working for, I couldn't tell anyone where I was working and what had happened. And so uh, there was one of my friends, um, kept on, like a lot of my friends kept on asking me what happened to me. And I couldn't say because I was so afraid to, to reveal that this person, like now I can reveal it because it's many years later and I now live in another country. Um, but I was so afraid to tell anyone what had happened. And so one of my friends found out where I work and he sent this guy to my work. And so this big black guy comes into the bar and he's like, are you Amy Berzowski? And you know, you don't drop, you don't drop last names at, at this kind of bar. And I didn't even go by my, my, my real name for the longest time. And now you have this big guy asking me who I am. And uh, he kept on saying, you know, come, come to this address, come to this address. I want to talk to you. And, and I instantly had a chip on my shoulder because I had actually broken my wrist um, fighting this, this guy at this situation. 
um, the sponsor. And so I ended up going to, to that address where this, this big black guy told me to go. And he told me to come into the ring. And he's like, you know what? Come into the ring. And, you know, if, you don't, if I don't touch you, then, uh, then you can go about your way kind of thing, you know? And, and I was like, you're like 40 years old and I'm young. I'm only like 20 years old. I can, I can no problem, right? And, uh, and it was a boxing ring. And I went in and he challenged me and I, I, I couldn't touch this guy. Turns out, Edgerton Marcus, silver medalist, over boxing and that was his own boxing club and I was yeah I I got into boxing just to defend myself because I was like this is never going to happen to me again this I am never going to be in that position where I possibly get raped and you're talking about 20 people in the club Mm -hmm. and no one was going to help me so ever since then I've always been um I'm a little bit troublemaker in the sense that Whenever there's a fight or there's something, I'm usually the first person that gets involved because I know what it's like to be in a, a public place and no one help you. And I was like, you know what? Ever since then, I've always been the, the quick one to, to jump in and get into the action, even though maybe it's not my place because that was me like, what, 20, almost 20 years ago. And so boxing for me was a means of self-defense. And, and then I just fell in love with it. Like I was always a little scrapper fighting with my brothers and their friends. And then when I moved to Korea, um, I, I decided like, uh, I, this is like the little intro of how I made my, my actual boxing club. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I was in Korea. I didn't resume boxing for a while there because I couldn't find a boxing club. So I was doing a lot of weight training. I was doing female bodybuilding. And a lot of my friends were guys because of the gym. And then I started dating a Korean guy and it's not really socially acceptable for females to hang out with other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so now my social circle really changes and uh, I eventually got married in Korea. I'm divorced now, but I got married. And so my social circle changed even more. And I remember going to Canada once and telling my mom, I said, you know, I just don't fit into this culture where guys don't hang out with girls and it's girls with girls and guys and guys. And my, these girls don't really want to work out. And they, now I've resumed boxing and, and I don't really have anything in common with them. I've always been very like boyish in that sense, like a tomboy. So my mom told me, she's like, well, why would you want to sit in, you know? And not only why do you want to fit in, but you're not the only girl that thinks like this. Yep. So why don't you do something about it? Why don't you just be more you? So I was like, okay, how do I be more me? Then I decided to launch my first company called Touchside Fitness. And it was for females only. And I trained the, the girls in boxing on the weekend. I rent out a boxing club. And uh, then we do other events that are like fitness-minded. Like we're going to have a barbecue. So while other groups are going and having drinks and like having a barbecue and drinks, we're going to go and we're going to make our barbecue on the top of the mountains. We're going to hike there with the barbecue and have like our protein shakes on the way. And so that's what I ended up doing. And, and the success of that, it went from like three women to 76 women in about three months. And uh, the next logical step was just to build my own facility. So that's, it's, it's still in Korea. It's now called, it was Hulk Boxing. Now it's Hulk Club and it's a 1100 square meter boxing club in Korea. It's a good thing you so mentioned. That's how I first made my first yeah, wow. It's, it's a good thing you mentioned about fitting in because a lot of people, and not only you, I think like what, what your mom said, there's a lot of people around in the world that feels the same way. And I could actually yes. well with that. Um, before, when I was in school, I used to have this passion for fitness and health, but it seems like nobody is into it. But I just kind of, you know, find my way through, find my own voice. And this is where I'm at right now. And then... Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just wanted to ask you, where is your passion or drive coming from in your, in your passion to help women? Because, you know, with your story, I think you kind of challenge the status quo. You know, um, so, many, so many females out there mm-hmm. are ha- having body insecurities, body image issues. And, you know, the most common thing I hear about with women is they don't want to start working out or taking action with their health and their bodies because they have this stigma already that, you know, females should just work and, you know, stay on the couch, cook, mm-hmm. you know, provide care for, for their spouses. So 
what can you say about that? Where is your drive coming from? Um, I think my drive is like, I know, especially with, in Korea, um, my, my focus in Korea with, with being women only is very different than here in the Philippines. Because especially in Korea, like you said, you know, there's, a, there's this kind of old school stigmatism and old school ideas that women are to, you know, um, you don't really have to do so good in college because you're only going to get married and have kids and stay home anyway, right? And I've always, I've never really wanted to get married. Um, and like, don't get me wrong, when I met my husband, I, I did obviously want to get married, but it's like, I never really wanted kids. I, I never was one to fit the mold, mm. you know? And I think that that conversation, that conversation that I had with my mom really stirred up a lot of, uh, like, just, just stirred up a lot of ideas in my head and really challenged me to, to refocus myself because that was, that was basically one of the last conversations I had with my mom before she passed away. And it's just like, like, I know when I was in Korea and they're like, you know, I never really wore a tank up in Korea because people come up and they're like, Oh, strong like man. And, and, uh, I was just like, you know what, this is, it's hard for me as a, as a, a white, foreign woman in Korea. I can't imagine being a Korean woman trying to go against the flow. They already think that a lot of foreign women all oh, were so modern and were so like opinionated and were so, you know, work oriented and, you know, um, but there's no wrong in being work oriented and being so focused on stuff. And so I thought with in Korea that I already had um, that expectation to be kind of like the black sheep, mm. you know? So I, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm kind of paving the way for my Korean sisters beside me that if I don't do it, if I'm not strong enough for them, I don't know if some of them will be able to do it. And, you know, there's definitely strength in numbers. And I thought if I just start paving that, that route, others will join me and then we'll become stronger, you know, because one plus one is two. Now two is so much stronger, you know? So that was really my focus in Korea and, and how it just, it snowballed and you I had that initial focus that I didn't want to fit in. And, and so I was, I was comfortable being uncomfortable and I really wanted to change and challenge the ideas in yep. Korea on, on what it meant to be a woman. And then when people join me, it just, it just snowballed. It just was, it fed itself, you know, that it was like the beast feeding the beast. And now here in the Philippines, um, like, it's funny because before people always thought it was prime and proper. Now it's like, look, I got badass on my chest. And, yeah. and you know, it's, it's about challenging ideas here too. Because, you know, Indeed. like right now I'm, I'm doing a clothing line and a lot of girls are all about, they wear the, the, um, the sports bra for a top and like they always have cleavage showing. But, you know, I, I have, I'm very confident with my body but I don't want to be that kind of woman. Mm. And I think that there's other women that, that don't want to be that too, but there's a lot of social pressure. Yeah. I feel more so here with, with image, you know, women have to like, they work out and nowadays you see every, every fitness girl has packed out first, mm. you know, and it's like the sports bra for the top and I'll be the opposite. Look, I wore black and it's got fat ass on my chest and it's a high collar. You know what I mean? And there's, I think that there's other women that are like that. And so now I'm really trying to challenge um, what it means to be strong. For me, I think strong, I think badass, you mm. know. It doesn't have to be about skin. Um, and especially now, my, my focus comes a lot from the underprivileged girls that I train. So I think you know about that a little bit. I have an outreach program. And um, the, the little it's just like I have these, these girls. The little sisters, yeah, the little sisters. So, so now I'm really trying to be, um, I'm trying to be the woman I needed when I was a little kid, like who my mom was to mm -hmm. me, you know? I want to be confident with my body. I want to be confident with who I am. Whoever you are, just own it. Just be it uh, 100%, you know? If you want to be sweet, totally be sweet. If you want to be like whatever, just, just own who you are. And that's what I think empowered is. And so when I see these, these underprivileged girls, um, about 50 of them are human trafficking survivors. Yeah. So these are girls that have been like child prostitutes, uh, involved in, um, you know, child um, pornography and like sex plays. You name it, these girls, someone has one of those stories. And it's, it's like gut-wrenching and heartbreaking. 
And so when I see that these girls have been like totally objectified because of their bodies, the last thing I want to do is attract attention to their bodies, you know, make it sexy or whatnot. You know, like even now I have an assistant and she's, she's working with me part-time until she's 18 and she looks so super young. She's like, she's 17, but looks like she's like 13, 14, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm thinking about my focus is what can I do to, to be that strong role model mm-hmm. for these you know, um, and trying to be that positive, um, just redefining what strong is. And, and I want to be that strong role model for my clients, obviously, but I will say that my focus is more so on the little sisters and, and redefining what they think strong is and what they think is beautiful. It doesn't have to be skin. Like I'm not skin shaming. If you want to wear like a sports bra for a a top and you know, it's all the more power to you. Mm. Just own it. That's all I'm asking, just owning. You know what I mean? So for me, that's not who I've never been anyone like that. So I'm not going to change that who I am, Mm -hmm. you know? So my focus is really with them. It's about finding your voice. And with that having said, it's an interesting, it's it's an interesting project that you have with the, with those children, because, you know, not only do you have your business, it's also you're paying it forward and you're helping those children Mm -hmm. have the same experiences that you had before. So, which is incredible for me. And one question I want to ask you is, um, with regards to being the owner of Empowered Clubhouse, what is that gratifying moment when you're coaching female athletes or females in general? Um, I think one of the most gratifying moments just recently, like during quarantine, um, you know, as soon as I heard that quarantine's going to happen, all the gym owners and trainers like freaked out, like, how are we going to keep our clients? How are we going to pay for rent? And I think one of the, one of the really cool things that really um, was inspiring for me um, is a lot of my rugby players came and joined my, my boxing boot camp. And so I have, and I'm always quick to like, point them out to like my new clients are like, oh, you know, Rara, she's like a silver medalist, sea game rugby player. Like, that's badass, you know? And so for me, it's, it's really cool to be, to have that opportunity to train athletes that are, I personally think potentially like a higher level of me of a, like this person went and represented your country in sea games and came out silver medalist. And it's just like, so inspiring to work with such extreme athletes like that. Cause you know, when you, I, I coach a lot of fighters and a lot of amateur fighters and whatnot, but at that level to be in sea games and the silver medalist and have that physical proof that you've had the dedication and devotion and commitment. It's, it's super inspiring that I'm now training these champion mindset uh, individuals. Um, and so that's where my inspiration came from during quarantine. And that was one of those pivotal moments where I was just like, yeah, like I've, I've taken my coaching to the next level. Look at the girls that are coming to my, my boxing boot camp and, and it, it's inspiring for me because I, I see them, despite us being in quarantine, a lot, like a lot of people have kind of fallen off the bandwagon, so to speak. But I still have my sponsors that, you know, they want to know what my training is. What am I eating? What are the supplements? You know, quarantine, they didn't skip a beat with their, their, their pressures on me. You know, even though quarantine stopped my training outside at the at Team Insider and sparring and, and rugby practice, you know. So to see these girls online and they, they continually, they're the ones that always show up on time. And when I tell them, you can pick level one, two or three, they're always like, let's do level three. And it's, it's inspiring for me. And that's been such a, such a refreshing moment to have during quarantine with all the stress and all the, the pressures that have happened to see that these girls show up yeah. and they're, they're dedicated and they're there ready to train. And, you know, despite you know, everyone wondering how they're going to pay for rent and everything. They haven't skipped a beat. And I, I really appreciate that. Someone said that if you show up, you're already 50% done. You know, you're, you're, half- oh, for sure. you're halfway there already. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about your entrepreneurial yeah, sure. Let's talk about your entrepreneurial mindset because talking, you know, um, jumping back from the quarantine period, uh, a lot of the coaches and business, gym, business owners and gym owners 
are kind of paranoid with how can they continue uh, doing business with their clients. And with you, you kind of made that, mm-hmm. you have that adaptive mindset to like, you know, um, really start your own business. Because I think you mentioned this in a previous podcast and you said that you want to have the time for yourself. You, you know, you kind of want to take your control of your own life, not wanting to rely on somebody else. So yeah, can you walk through that mm-hmm. entrepreneurial journey? For me, um, it, it's funny because I, I, when I was younger, I, my first official business was when I was like maybe 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I made a sewing company. Yeah. And I never really thought when I get older, I'm going to make my own business. But it, it definitely was, that seed was definitely planted when I, when I talked to my mom. And I was just like, you know what? Uh, I've always had, I have always had jobs throughout high school and even in elementary, I, I did newspapers and mm-hmm. magazine deliveries. And I always wanted a job with a tip. Like any job that you can get like a tip with a waitress or uh, bartending. Because I was always hardworking. My parents always taught me to be hardworking, you know, like father, a family of nine kids. My mom came on a boat to Canada with her father and was homeless when she was 16. And so my parents always installed that, like, if you want something, you have to work hard for it, you know? And so um, my parents never really gave, like, I I had a good upbringing, but I wasn't spoiled with materialistic things. If I wanted something, I had to work for it, you know? And it's it's interesting because during quarantine, I actually asked my father for for financial help. I said, can you you help me a little bit? I'm really having a hard time. And that was the first time, I'm now 40, that was the first time in 40 years my, I've ever asked my dad for money. And he was like, what? Like, because I've always been the one that worked really hard. And when, when you know, like my brother was having trouble, you know, and uh, I've always been the, the hardworking one in the family. And um, so, yeah, it's, my parents just re- really raised me to, to work out. Oh, hold on. My parents just <laughs> really raised me to, to work hard. And if I wanted something, you know, you have to work for it. You, you get what you, what you work for. And so with running a business, um, you know, I, before I had a business partner, um, when I first started my business here in the Philippines, um, I came here for three months just to train box and then leave. And then I got this idea that why don't I just start a business here? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I love the Philippines. I came here 10 years ago as an English Korean uh, translator. And so I was like, now, why don't I just stay here? Hmm. So I started a business. People, everyone told me I should get a business partner. So I got a business partner, but I really felt that she wasn't as passionate or didn't view the business as, as like, wasn't as focused as I was. Cause hmm. I was, I didn't have any family or anyone here to fall back on. Hmm. And I think that's one thing that's really let me be successful is that I didn't really have that safety net. There was no like option, you know, even now during quarantine, it's like, okay, if, if all of and I can't pay for rent, I can't for things, then that means I also can't pay for a plane ticket back to Canada. And I got four dogs now and a house full of stuff. Like you have to make it work. You have to make it work. And I, I think that it's, it's been hard to not really have that uh, station in that, but at the same time, it's, it's also been kind of a blessing because now that's always on me and I realize that if I don't work hard I won't deserve it and I won't get it Um, means I think when you when you came to the Philippines I would say you were simply pushed out of your comfort zone and that's why you were forced to really work right you know Mm -hmm. and I think I saw I saw a clip of your clubhouse on YouTube and it's very, very nice. <laughs> so I'm going to put a link on the show notes after this podcast so that people can check it out. <laughs> yeah. So I have, I'm very curious, Amy, because, you know, let's, let's assume I think there's plenty of boxing coaches around here and they're very knowledgeable in teaching the proper techniques and, you know, basically trying to educate people around how to actually box properly. But the one thing I think that differentiates you from amongst the rest is your ability to, to create this community of sisterhood and camaraderie around women. What is usually the, the concern or an issue that women come to you? Because I'm assuming it's not really that they want to be good at boxing. Well, that could be one reason. But I think... There's... No, for the most part, they just want to 
Yeah, there's an element that they want to be a part or a member of this community that they can't have in some other communities. Get what I'm saying? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that? I think that, yeah, I think that uh, you have to also look at what my clientele is. My clientele is not like the young girl. The young girl, if she really wants to, she's going to team up with her boyfriend and go boxing, yeah. you know? And, uh, but you, like, I'm 40 years old and I am like, I'm within the age group of my clients. Uh, what's that? Doesn't look like it. <laughs> yeah, it turns 40 this past August. Thank you, thank you. Maybe you're just scared to say that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, my, my age group, my age group is about uh, 35 to about 45 or so. And so these women, you know, these, I call them my boss babes. These are boss babes. These are women that are married. They have kids. A lot of them have their own businesses. They're very successful. You know, they don't want to go to the gym and have to wait for the trainer. They don't want to have to go there and they don't want to go there and feel insecure because they're not like that young, cute girl who is like, you know, hasn't had the child and hasn't had, you know what I mean? Like this, these, my clients have life experience and they, they have limited time to train. So I, I'm like, okay, you're at seven in the morning. They come right at seven and you're at eight. Right at eight. They're in, they're out. They want to train hard. This is like their, their me time to get back to themselves because all day they work for their employees. They deal with their kids. They deal with the husbands. And, and I would say, I would say it's fair to say also, my clientele, they're very successful. So they have a certain level. They have a certain um, standard of living, I guess you could say. So they don't want to go to the gym and get dirty, you know, and they, they come here, it's, it's super clean, you know, the place gets cleaned all the time. They know they can sit on the floor and they're not going to get anything on their, their beautiful pants or whatever. And so um, it's just, a, it's, a, it's a safe place for them to train where I can relate exactly with them, you know. Like, I don't have children, um, but we're the same age, so I, they know that I wouldn't give them an exercise that I couldn't do myself. And... Um, and it's just, it's just a safe space where all the distractions of a regular boxing club, you know, whether it's, you know, a male trainer or um, they're intimidated by the fact that there's all guys or the girls that are there are, are super young and skinny. You know, there's no body issues. There's no, you know, I just keep it. It's just about them and their workouts. Mm-hmm. You know, the distractions are not present. You know, even with, like you can see now here, we always keep the curtains down. So, even when they're training here, no one can see them training. There's not, they're not potentially photobombing someone's Instagram post or, you know what I mean? And when I, when I tag, I'll be like, oh, can I, can I take a video? They either say yes or they say no. They say no, that's it. I don't ask again, mm. you know? So they can just really focus on what they came here to train and like what they came to do. And that's to train to lose weight and to stay active. Like, and the, you are perfect in saying that a lot of them, yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily that they want, they want to be so good at boxing. Mm-hmm. They just want to get a good workout. And, you know, there's something definitely to be said about taking your anger out on the heavy bag. You know, they're all like, I miss punching those heavy bags. You know, it's, just a, it's, a, it's a safe medium to, to get out that, that frustration with quarantine, with work, with stress, you know. So, Amy, so yeah, it's, it's just a safe place for them. Yeah. You seem to mm-hmm. have this very jolly personality, but where do you draw the line? <laughs> When it comes to when you when you finally put that hat of being a coach, you know, where do you draw the line? Where it comes to, you know, um, making them accountable for their own decisions or making them accountable with their own lifestyle? How do you draw the line? I do monthly testing with them, um, uh, whether it's measurements and then like physical test testing here in the clubhouse. So that helps them keep accountable. I also have a goal tracking sheet that. Um, I set them up with and I tell them it's up to you whether or not you want to continue with it, but I do check in. And then um, other things, like uh, I'm always picking their brain about what they're eating because, you know, I have them for only one hour. Sometimes it's like one hour, three times a week. Sometimes it's one hour only once a week, you know. And I said, you know, you want to see progress, you got to make goals and you got to make a lifestyle. So that's where my goal sheet comes in. And uh, clients who continually cancel or continually show up late, I tell them, I said, I think that you're, you're not doing anything for yourself. You know, you're wasting my time. Yeah. You're wasting your yeah. money. 
and you're wasting a space that, like, you're wasting also really big clients. I take 10 personal training clients, and then I have two small teams. Mm-hmm. I can't get your results if you're not committed. You yeah. know? So I'm, I'm a little bit of a hard ass when it comes to stuff like that, because I, I do fire clients. <laughs> I've only fired a few, but it's just like, listen, mm. you know, it's, it's so frustrating to want to help someone but that person doesn't even want to help them. Yeah. And so we can, call me when you want, want to help. Our job as coaches is basically to help and put value into their lives. But if they're not willing to work for it, then, you know, I think I've heard from someone that when it comes to providing help, we can, make, we can, mm-hmm. we can only help so much. But at the end of the day, it's, it's still on their hands to actually make use of that help that we provided. So, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So do you have any rituals, daily rituals, yeah. do, um, morning rituals or bedtime rituals that you set your mind for? I usually wake up like an hour and a half before I start coaching. I go walk my dogs. Um, I got four dogs, so that takes like a half an hour. Come back. And for that next half an hour, all I do is I sit on the couch and just, uh, I might, the first 10 minutes I do social media, whether it's answering emails or answering comments. And then for the next 20 minutes, I just sit there and just sip my coffee and think about what's going to happen during my day. And um, I'm really big into like writing stuff down for my agenda. But for the first, that first hour, the first half an hour, sorry, just, just relax. Cause this is kind of like the calm before the storm. And then, uh, then at 6.30, I get up, I rush upstairs, I get my stuff ready for my client. And then my client, then I sit down and I'm okay. I started half an hour where it's just just sit and just just enjoy my coffee because like the rest of the day is gonna be super busy. That's just my like my downtime, you know. Mm-hmm. So the dogs are fed, the dogs are walked, everyone's done. Yeah. House is quiet, just me and my coffee. Mm-hmm. So, what does your training look like right now? Um, well, I've been, I've been trying to, I originally, I really thought I'd go out running, but I tried running a few times. Running is actually my first sport, but with a mask, it's, it's hard. And you know, you got Philippine sun beating down on you. So these days around like two o'clock, three o'clock, I, I do training here in the clubhouse. Um, and it's funny because everyone's like, Oh, you have your own boxing club house. It's easy for you to train, but they need to understand that this clubhouse wasn't designed for my preference. This was designed for my client's preference. Yep. So my client's preference is very different than mine. Me, I like boxing in, in Team Insider and Publish On. It's, you know, the weights are questionable. It's one of those old school boxing clubs, yeah. you know, uh, where your foot, at the one part of the ring, your foot might go through the ring, you know. This is very pretty for, yeah. for me, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I usually am uh, here for about two hours training. Yeah. I try to switch it up. But that. I also prefer those very rugged gyms, <laughs> you know, those dirty gyms. Yeah, yeah. Like when I, yeah, when I first moved to BGC, because uh, I was living in Eastwood and then kind of BGC, I went to the Philippine Army. Mm-hmm. And the Philippine Army gym, that is like the dirtiest gym I've ever trained in. And I, I, was, really quick, I was really quick to realize why people don't sit on the ring. Because mm-hmm. if you sit on the ring, whatever's on the ring is now on your ass. Yeah. <laughs> I got so dirty, but I liked it. It was like the vibe, the Philippine version of like Rocky, you know. And you, you can actually yeah, there's energy and there's stories there. There's a lot of athletes in there that just put in the blue collar work, you know, lifestyle. It's just really great, yeah. also, you know, that you can't see in this very beautiful gyms. <laughs> yeah. So I've been, I've been trying to be diligent with, I, I train here, you know, like um, two of my classes that I coach online, I actually do the class with them. So like Saturday, we have core conditioning. So I actually participate, not just coaching. Same with on Thursday, I have the lift class, which is resistance band. So Saturday and Thursday, I'm actually physically training with my clients online. But the other days, yeah, I do my workout here. I switch up between boxing and then uh, like functional weight training. So like you can see, I had the, the rope there and the tires. Um, even with like the the heavy bags, I lie underneath the heavy bags and kick up with your feet, the squat presses, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I try to switch it up from between boxing and uh, the functional training. But it's definitely different compared to 
post yeah. or pre So, what is your ultimate vision? Um, are you planning to reside here in the Philippines for good, or you plan to to move somewhere else? Um, I think my ultimate vision, and I had I said this like a year ago when when I first um, opened a power clubhouse, the actual clubhouse. But before this, I was just coaching in the parks and that, running my business there. I think my ultimate vision for Empowered is to uh, eventually have it run by the girls. Because um, there's like close to 80 of them right now. And uh, I'm actually really, really cool because yesterday it, I picked up my first worker who is a little sister. And um, I coached her originally at the orphanage. And now she, uh, she works for me. She lives here and she works for me. And I have another um, worker coming on October. Yeah, October. She was an educator at the orphanage. So my plan is to, to build Empowered with the, the little sisters that I'm coaching and other people associated with little sisters. And uh, with the little sisters, I really want to, um, I'm trying to make like a, a mentoring program so that, uh, like in Canada, we have big sisters, little sisters and big brothers. So I try to do some kind of mentoring program. But I think the ultimate goal uh, would do to uh, my dream for Empowered right now, my maybe like five-year, 10-year dream, is to have this whole entire house only Empowered. Because right now it's four floors. First floor is my lounge and uh, kitchen. Second floor is what you see, the clubhouse. Third floor is my bedroom and my assistant's bedroom. And fourth floor is a private office. Okay. Um, so the alternate plan would be to have this as the whole house is just for empowered people come in they have a little you know when you go to like anytime fitness or carry sports you have a little fob they come in they can train when they want it's open 24 hours um if they want to stay here there's like bunk beds where they can sleep mm -hmm. and uh just have it kind of like this girls only kind of clubhouse like literally a clubhouse and it's run by little sisters you know it's, it's merging my business with my outreach program and you know it's it's empowering these women, but empowering these little sisters and also giving them um, opportunities. Because a lot, of, a lot of the issues with the little sisters is that they go to, for example, Holy Family Home, which is an orphanage, or they go to the Center of Hope, which is uh, a safe home for human trafficking victims. But where do they go after that? What is, you know, to go from staying at the safe home or staying at this orphanage, the next step, you're getting a job and living on your own. It's, it's such a big jump. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm really trying to be the middle person. Yeah. So hopefully in the future, Empower can be that, that, middle, that middle thing. And then eventually this whole place is just run by little sisters. Yeah. Be so badass. <laughs> I think that place is very welcoming and you create that safe space for a lot of these underprivileged women. So I honor you for that, for being such a... Uh, thank you. Yeah, for being such helpful for these young women and providing opportunities for them because not a lot of people actually get that. So, and yeah, yeah. it's actually a good vision that you have because, yeah, you said that very perfectly. And uh, when, when they live in an orphanage quite, for quite some time, it's going to be very hard for them to transition in real life. Yeah. So I think what yeah. you have in that clubhouse is for them to actually integrate the life they had before and now they're putting it in in real life you know so yeah it's a good yeah. vision yeah thank you and you know the thing is it's interesting because like uh, people always commend me and be like oh that's so great that you're doing this but it, i always think it's funny when people are like oh that's great that you're doing it but what i want to do is so much bigger than what i'm doing right now and i feel like i'm more blessed than they are blessed by me helping them like um, for example, I picked up, I picked up my assistant yesterday and we saw where she lived and everything. And you, you instantly want to do more. And I feel like because of these girls, because of this outreach program, I feel like I am more of a, a better person because of them. And, um, I feel like as much as flattering as it is for people to say, Oh, thank you for doing little sisters. I really want to say thank you to my little sisters because I'm just a better person. You know, I'm just a better person because of them. And I feel like now I found my purpose through helping them. And, uh, yeah, they, they just bring so much life to my life. You know, like, it's pretty cool. I wake up today and 
Derek, one of the girls that I used to coach, now she works with me and, you know, it's really cool having her here and I met her mom and her whole family and it's, it's just, it's just such a privilege to be, mm -hmm. uh, to give this opportunity to her because um, her life is different, but my life is so different mm -hmm. because of her and the other girls that I coach, you know. It, yeah, there's a saying that goes, you get what you put in. So, you know, yeah. with, with everything that you've been doing, you're putting value into their lives. And so I think it's just right that you're receiving all of these blessings from these kinds of people. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, where can people find you if they want to work with you, if they want to see what your projects are? Is a good opportunity to share? Um, probably like my Instagram. Instagram is the best way. Because um, I think the page is private, but yeah, my Instagram, Dead Aim Amy. Um, also, Empowered Clubhouse and Little Sister Project. Lots of Instagram stuff for <laughs> Instagram. Yeah. So they search me on Instagram. Mm -hmm. they'll, be, they'll see all my, like, my clothing line, my average program. It's all like listed mm -hmm. there. Cool. And then uh, maybe you can do some one big message to the listeners, especially to, to females who want to really jumpstart their, their health and their lifestyle. What is your ultimate message for them to be a badass woman? <laughs> ultimate message to be a badass, eh? <laughs> um, you know, for, like I get a lot of women that start, uh, they're starting their fitness journey with me. And I think that's such an awesome thing. Um, you know, in terms of uh, women wanting to look for, for how to get access, first and foremost, find something that you're interested in. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't want to go lift weights, don't go and lift weights. Mm -hmm. You know, like give it a try, you know, don't knock it down until you try it, but find something you enjoy because ultimately you're looking to make a lifestyle, you know, and you don't have to make these, these crazy big lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. All it is is like simple little things, mm -hmm. you know, um, whether it's adding more fruit to your diet or picking up a sport. Like, look, now I play rugby. Mm -hmm. Never before have I even watched a rugby game. <laughs> now I'm like on the Philippine rugby team. You know, and so it's all about finding something that, that you want to make a lifestyle out of that you can incorporate into a healthy lifestyle and that you enjoy because, you know, life is life is too short to do something that you don't love. And you, you're not going to you're not going to be focused and you're not going to be committed to it if you hate it, mm. you know, so find something you enjoy and uh, yeah, just just enjoy the process. Everyone. Everyone's always fixated on like, oh, I want to lose five pounds. Okay, but once you lose the five pounds, you're going to want something else. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, don't, don't wait until you lose five pounds to be proud of yourself or to be, to be confident and proud of what your body can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like my, my motto in Korea with my boxing club was better than yesterday. And I had that on my arm here. And it's all about just driving, just, just, even if baby steps, you know? Enjoy the process, have goals, enjoy the process. And part of enjoying it means finding something that you, you can enjoy to keep you active. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a chore. I don't know why people think working out has to be a chore. And if you I, love it. I think, I think it all boils down to the differences between extrinsic and intrinsic goals. And some of these people, mm -hmm. they have a lot of extrinsic goals wanting to lose more weight and shed fat, which is not, which is not completely wrong. It's just that it's not completely sustainable. And when you tell yourself, mm. it's, it all boils down to how you condition your mind into. So when you tell yourself, I am confident, I am strong, then now you're, you're basically rewriting your own story and telling yourself that I am worthy of this lifestyle. So instead of mm. something, you are now telling yourself that I am this right now. And you are basically doing stuff for that particular purpose so yeah it's all about rewriting your mm. own story and not really believing so for sure for sure yeah yeah thank you so much coach amy for agreeing again to be a part thank of thank you and i'm really really happy sure. doing all of these outreach programs with your empowered clubhouse i think it's something that women should be looking forward to with what you're planning to do as well with your vision and yeah um you know, I think it really, it's, it's high time that we start creating conversations around challenging the status quo, especially for women. Mm -hmm. Because I think, yes, it, yes. It, you know, dating back to history, there's so much labeling and 
there's so much um, pre preconceived ideas when it comes to women, thinking that you know men should be stronger, men men are superior, you know, people than women. But I think it's really high time that we put women in that level as well, and that I think mm-hmm. is that I think is a purpose. So yeah, I honor you for that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, thank you again, Coach Amy, and I'm looking forward to chatting with you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening in with our conversation with Amy Berzowski. Her story is very, very inspiring, especially for those women who feel unheard and feel misunderstood. And, you know, like what I said during the earlier part of this episode is that, you know, a lot of women nowadays don't feel heard and they don't really have a story that they can take ownership from. And, you know, a lot of these stories that we tell ourselves are not really true. And this goes out to a lot of people and not just women. But with Coach Amy, she really makes it a point to empower women, not just badass women and entrepreneurs, but also those people who are underprivileged. And her inspiring to her inspiring story to really contribute and help those people who have been victimized and have past trauma is something that you know we should look forward to. You know, I think we are not we are now living in a very, very exciting generation and time wherein women, a lot of women out there are feel called to step up and you know, take ownership with their life. Not just in terms of health and fitness, but in life in general. And so I think it's high time that we, you know, um call everyone and make sure that we work together as one solid society, both men and women. And I think Coach Amy is playing a huge role in just doing that. To really uplift and raise the vibration and frequency of other women especially those who feel inferior. You know, those who feel embarrassed and don't have a story that they can share to a lot of people. Because I think a lot of people, especially women, have something that they can share and contribute to the world. It's just that they don't have a platform. They don't feel like welcome to, to a sisterhood that Coach Amy has. So um, I love, love, love Coach Amy's story. You know, um, she's one of a kind and what... One thing that I love about her is her undenying passion to really um, step out of the conventional path and just live up to her own story and to her own voice, which is something that is very rare nowadays because I think a lot of times we tend to um, we tend to to follow the conventional path and do what's normal. But I think with Coach Amy, she really stands for what she believes in. And that's the the one big message and one major takeaway that I have after listening to her. So guys, please don't forget again to follow and tag us on Instagram and share this episode to your friends at Be Well with Denzel. And please look out for the future episodes coming. I hope you have a great weekend and I hope you have a great week as well. And take care. Peace.